You know, I'm going to tell you something I've sensed. Um, I've only been doing this for 54 years. I'm going to tell you something. The joy of the Lord is in this place. No, no, really. The joy of the Lord. Every service is different. You don't live by emotions or experience. But I promise you, this is a, a wonderful time. Because the psalmist said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And you ought to sense the joy of the Lord in this place. I'm telling you, don't take it for granted. Just open your heart and receive all that God has for you uh, in this service today. In your Bibles, you don't, I, I don't want to start the television time yet, but in your Bibles, turn to the first, to book of First John. You know, I've been preaching on the promises of God. The promises of God. The promise of God's abiding presence. The promise of God to answer prayer. The promise of God with us during trials and tribulations of life. The promise of God concerning temptation. But I have not been as excited about any of them as I am the one today. And it's on the promise of God for, for, about forgiveness. What about the promise of God and forgiveness of our sin. As I was just thinking about it this week, and the, I sensed a, a stirring in my heart about the forgiveness of God for our sin. I was driving down Cottage Hill Road and, and came to the intersection of Hillcrest and Cottage Hill, and there was a van right in front of me, and there was a four little figures, I guess it was a parents and two kids. You know how they have those little figures on the back of the windshield. But in kind of cryptic, um, beautiful words was the word. You know what it was? Right there on that windshield was the word forgiven. And then underneath it, it said, by Jesus. I said, you know, you got it. I'm so glad you got that on your back windshield. Forgiven by Jesus. Now, you've got to understand, there are a lot of words that we use in church, Christian words, that the world doesn't understand. Oh, you, you can talk uh, about this to unsaved people. They, they don't have a clue. You say, well, man, I, I've been redeemed. They, they don't know what redeemed means. You, you can talk about the fact that every one of us needs to live a holy life. They don't know what holiness means. You can even say in the presence of some people with no background, boy, I'm so glad I'm saved. Well, they don't know what you're talking about. And I certainly, you know, when you say I've been born again, they've heard the word, but they have not got a clue. But I'm going to tell you there's one word, one word. They may be a pagan. They may have no church background. But I'm telling you, when they see the word forgiven, it resonates in their heart. Because the truth is, they do know to some degree what it is to be forgiven or to forgive others. Not necessarily by God. But there are very few people who cannot relate to the word forgiven. And that's why the promise of God concerning the forgiveness of our sin is such an absolutely awesome promise. If you have your Bible open to 1 John chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading in the fifth verse. And I want to show you right here 
two promises of God. Well, three really concerning forgiveness. As these are promises. And brother, I, if, if God says it, that settles it. And we're going to stand on His promises. We're going to believe His promises. And we're going to live by the promises of God. In the um, first chapter and the fifth verse, notice what it says. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you. That God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, I'm having fellowship with God, but we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But now I want you to listen to this promise. But if we walk in the light, God is light, the light of God's presence, the light of God's countenance, the light of God's all-searching eyes. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, We have fellowship one with another. And here's the promise. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. In other words, if we just come out into the light and let God shine the light of His presence in our heart and we recognize our sin and we repent of our sins, the Bible says if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with Him. And oh, what a promise. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. I like that word. It means cleansing. It means washes away. It means removes. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all of our sin. Listen at verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You don't deceive God or anybody else. But if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But listen to this promise. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, agree with God, that's a sin. Agree with God, that's a sin. Don't try to justify it. Don't try to rationalize it. Don't try to blame it on others. Accept that it is a sin and accept your personal responsibility for it. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a promise. God, I have sinned. This is sin, but I agree with you that it is. And I confess it. And you're faithful and you're just to forgive us of that sin. And to cleanse us. What a promise from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And the truth is not in us. There are five things I want to say about forgiveness this morning. God's forgiveness. The first thing I want to talk to you about is the fact of the need for forgiveness. How that we need to be forgiven. We need to be. And it won't take me but a moment just for us all to realize how long, how much we need forgiveness. And then the promise of God's forgiveness And then the third thing I want us to notice about is the glory. How glorious God's forgiveness really is. Then talk about the gift of God's forgiveness. And then how you receive the forgiveness of God. Now what about the need for forgiveness? You remember what 1 John 1.8 says? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. There's not a person in this room who would say with any honesty, 
I, I, I have no sin. I have never sinned. Oh, no, every one of us in here have in common the fact that we're all sinners by nature. We got from Adam a nature that wants to sin, but we're all sinners by choice. And so the need for forgiveness is so clear. If we say that we have not sinned, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then it goes on in that 10th verse and says, if we say we have no sin, we make God a liar. Now, but you go over to the book of Romans, the third chapter, and, 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 and just, I want to show you just three verses that talks about the need of forgiveness. How every one of us need to be forgiven. In Romans chapter 3, verse 10, listen to this, you don't need to turn. All right, there is none righteous, no, not one. Well, we all need forgiveness. There's none righteous, no, not one. Boy, now here's, here's the verse that points out the need for forgiveness. It's verse, verse 19. It says, now we know that whatsoever the law says, the Ten Commandments, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may become guilty before God. Therefore, uh, by the law is the knowledge of sin, and the law shows us our sin. Let me tell you something. The Bible says it is the commandments of God that show us, every one of us, that we need forgiveness. No other gods before me. You ever had any other God before the God that created you? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Have you ever taken God's name in vain by your mouth or by your life? It says, honor your father and your mother. Has there ever been a time that you did not honor those who brought you into this world? It says, thou shalt not bear witness. Have you ever told a lie? Thou shalt not steal. Have you ever taken anything that did not belong to you? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Have you ever looked on a person and lusted after them and committed adultery in your heart, much less the physical? You see, you know what the law does? The law condemns every one of us. The law shuts every one of our mouth. And the whole world becomes guilty before God. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is the need for forgiveness. But then, there's the promise of forgiveness. What about that awesome verse? In 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, if we'll just come out into the light and acknowledge our sinfulness and with a repentant heart come before God in the light and confess our sins, the Bible says the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. What about that promise in verse 8, verse 9? If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then in chapter 2, of 1 John, verse 1 and 2. My little children, I've written these things to you so that you may not sin. But if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. You know what an advocate is? It's one who pleads your case. Now listen to this promise. If you sin, you have someone who pleads your case before the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is the propitiation for your sins. And not for yours, but for the sins of the whole world. What a promise. He said, listen, I don't want you to sin. But if you do, you know there's somebody that pleads your case. Somebody who represents you before holy God. 
It is the Son, Jesus. He is your advocate. And He is the propitiation, the substitute for your sins, and not for yours only, but for the sins of the whole world. I want to tell you something. Everybody in this room needs the forgiveness of God. But I want to tell you this book is full of promise after promise after promise that God is the God who forgives and that the forgiveness of your sin is a reality when you come before God in repentance and faith. But here's the third thing I want you to notice. Not only the need for forgiveness, and it's real, and not only the promise of forgiveness, but oh man, as I got to studying this, I want to talk to you about the glory, the glory of being forgiven by God. Oh, the glory of it. How awesome it is. How glorious it is to be forgiven by God. I want you to listen to this verse. Isaiah 1, 18. Now listen to God. I'm telling you, God is holy. He is holy. He did not have to forgive one person. He, he would have had every right as a holy and a sovereign God to send us straight to hell. But because God loved us, he provided forgiveness for us. And here's the glorious truth of forgiveness. Isaiah 1, 18 says, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient... You shall eat of the good of the land. God said, let me reason with you. I, I know your sins are scarlet, but I'm going to tell you, they can be whiter than snow or white as snow. He said, and I, I want you to know your sins are, have stained you, but they can be, though they be red like crimson, they can be as wool. What a promise. What about the glorious truth of God's forgiveness? Now, you want to see a a. a, a, a of the glory of God's forgiveness. I want you just to listen to this. And I'm telling you, you're going to need to study it. But when you get it, you're going to say, My heavens, what an infinite truth. Over in Psalm 103, verse 10. Now remember where it's found, Psalm 103, verse 10. I'm talking about the glorious forgiveness of our sin by God. How glorious it is to be forgiven by God. And so Psalm 103, verse 10 says, he has not dealt with us according to our sins. God has not given you justice. God has not given me justice. And I want to tell you something. I don't want justice. I want the mercy of Almighty God. We don't mercy. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. He has not punished us according to our iniquities. Now listen at this. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. But now listen to this. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed his trans our transgressions from us. Now I want you to get this. One thing we know, that the heavens are high above the earth, that's infinite. There are trillions and trillions and trillions of miles. No end to space. I am telling you, it's endless. It's infinite. Now get this promise. As the heavens are high above the earth, infinite, so great is the mercy of God to those that fear Him. Now, now listen to this next one. Psalm 103. As far as the east is 
from the west. That's infinite. You can keep going west. You're just going to keep going. You, you, you're not ever going to run into nothing. We're, we're not talking about from the east coast to the west coast of America. It says, listen, as far as the east is from the west, infinite. So far has God removed our transgressions from us. Man, infinite. His mercy, oh God, is infinite to those that fear him. And his forgiveness, the removal of our iniquities is as far as the east is from the west. Oh, the glory of the forgiveness of Almighty God. There's that great, great verse in the book of Lamentations. I'm talking about the glory of God's forgiveness. Now listen to this. It says, it is because of God's great mercies that we are not consumed. Time out. You know why you haven't been consumed by God? You know why I haven't been consumed by a holy God? You know why God has had mercy on us, even though some of you have not even cried out for mercy? You know why we're not consumed? I want you to listen to this. It is because of His great mercies that we are not consumed. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Did you hear that? God's mercy is fresh every morning. God's compassion is fresh every morning. It is because of His great mercies that we have not been consumed. His compassions have not failed. They are new every morning. Great is, this is the verse, great is God's faithfulness. I want to tell you the glory of of the forgiveness of God of our sins overwhelms me. I am telling you, it is absolutely awesome. And then I love that passage over in Hebrews 10. I'm just talking to you about the glory of God's forgiveness. And it's called the new, it's called the new covenant. And I want you to listen what, what it says about the new covenant. It says over in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15. Listen to this. For the Holy Spirit also witnesses for us after having said before, this is the covenant. This is the covenant God makes with every child of God. This is the covenant he makes with every man or woman who repents of their sin and receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Convicted of your sins, realizing your lostness, you come to Christ and you're saved. God makes a covenant with you. This is the covenant I will make with them after those days. I will write my law in their hearts. He said, I'm going to put my law in their heart. And I'm going to write my law in their minds. And then you know what it says? And their sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. That's the part of the new covenant. God puts the desire to obey him. He writes his law in our heart and our mind. And now it's all about on the inside. God has given us a desire to obey him. He writes his law in our mind and in our hearts. And he said, listen to this. This is the part of the new covenant. He said, their sin... And their iniquity, I will remember no more. Why do you keep reminding yourself of your sin when God has forgotten it? The part of the new covenant is a clean slate, a new beginning. Your sins and iniquities under the blood of Jesus. And I will remember them. No more. It's called the glory, the glory 
of God. Oh, we have a need to be forgiven. And there's a promise of God concerning forgiveness. But then there's the glory of God's forgiveness. And boy, there's another one. I like to never found it. I knew it was in the Bible. But I'm telling you, I had to look, 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 and look. But praise God, I found it. And it's in the book of Micah. Now, how many of y'all know where Micah is? <laughs> Don't try to find it. It took me two days. I mean, it's a hard book to find. All I can tell you, it's right before Nahum. I mean, I'm telling you. But listen to this. Now, I want you to listen to this promise. This is the glory of God's forgiveness. This is, all right, I'm reading from uh, Micah chapter 7, verse 15. Who is a God like you? Micah says, I want to ask you something, Lord. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity. Pardoning iniquity. And passing over the transgressions of the remembrance of his heritage. You do not retain your anger forever because you delight in mercy. You will again have compassion on us and you will subdue our iniquities and you will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Wow. God, there's no God like you pardoning our iniquity, forgiving us. Your compassion and mercy and God, the awesome thing is, Lord, you have cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Oh, it's called the glory. It's called the glory, the glory of God's forgiveness. I'm telling you, man, it's overwhelming. Now, but you've got to get this. Now, this is the most important part of this message. Now, I, I want to show you why forgiveness is so glorious. Now, I'm going to talk to you in a moment about the gift of it, the cost, and then how you receive it. But now, I, I want you to get this. If you get this, then you'll understand how a person can be once saved and always saved. How a person can really be saved and never be. If you don't get this, you'll never be able to understand it. It says in, in Psalm 32. Now, I'm going to take just a moment to be very thorough with this. In Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, it says, Blessed is he, blessed is he, whose sin, blessed is he, whose transgression is forgiven. Now, stay with me. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. His transgression is forgiven. His sin is covered. But now here is the loaded dynamite statement. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose heart there is no guile. Now you know what that says. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed is he whose sin is covered. Blessed is the person to whom God does not impute sin. And the word impute means to charge to his account. Now this is what he's saying. Blessed is that man or woman that God does not charge his sin to his account. Well, if you're not going to charge it to my account, whose account are you going to charge it to? But I'm telling you, it says here, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute his iniquity. And it says, God's not going to charge it to your account. Well, you say, well, what about in the New Testament, Brother Fred? Same verse. Paul quotes uh, Psalm 32, uh, 1 and 2, and listen to what he says. Uh, 
in, in verse uh, 5, 6, and 7. But to him who does not work but believes in him, who justifies the unrighteous by faith, it is accounted for righteousness. Just as David describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness, he charges righteousness to their account. Against, uh, uh, rather, uh, apart from works, now here it is. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man or woman to whom God does not impute sin. Okay, you got to get this. When Jesus died on the cross, every one of your sins, the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future, were placed on Jesus Christ. If they hadn't been, then he would have had to keep going back to the cross and dying. So I'm telling you, when Jesus was on the cross, all sin, past, present, and future, of the whole world was placed on Jesus. Now, I'll give you three verses. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Did you hear what that said? The Father laid on his Son the iniquity of us all. 1 Peter 2, 24, he bore our sins in his body on that tree. Okay, he did. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. He laid our iniquities on him. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. And here is the next one. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I want you to understand, we sang that song a moment ago. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. There on Calvary, on the cross, all the sins of the world, all the wickedness, ungodliness, filthiness, wretchedness, all the sins of the human race were placed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he bore our sins in his body on the tree. The Bible says in Hebrews, he made one sacrifice for sin forever. The Bible says by one sacrifice, he has perfected those who have been sanctified. Now, when you come to Jesus Christ, and you come under the conviction of your sin, God, I have sinned against a holy God. God, I have sinned against you. I am a sinner, O God. And so you come in repentance of your sin. God, I'm a sinner. I deserve judgment in hell, but I recognize my sin. And I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. I believe Jesus took all of my sin on himself and died in my place. And so therefore, I'm, trust, I mean, I'm, I'm trusting Jesus. I'm not trusting the church. I'm not trusting good works. I'm trusting Jesus and Jesus only for the forgiveness of my sin. I know that I will never, ever, ever be forgiven apart from the death of Christ, apart from his shed blood, apart from him bearing my sins on that cross. So I am coming to Jesus and I'm trusting him and him only for the forgiveness of my sin so you come under conviction of sin you come in repentance of sin God I want to change I don't want to live this way and you come to Christ and he is the only one that you know can save you and forgive you at that moment when you are truly converted not only are all your sins washed away not only are all of your sins forgiven but from that point on, any sin you ever commit is not charged to you.
From that point on, any sin you ever commit is charged to Jesus' account. Because he paid for it. He paid for them. They're all paid for. And so now that once you've accepted and received the forgiveness of God through the shed blood of Jesus, all your sins, past, present, and future, are paid in full by Jesus. So now when you sin, your sin is not charged to you. If it was, you would be lost immediately. No, your sin is charged to Jesus because he has already paid for it. If it weren't charged to him, he'd have to go back and die for it all over again. By one offering, he perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You say, well, Brother Fred, then, now that I'm saved, anytime I sin, my sin is not charged to me. It is charged to Jesus. That is exactly right. Then why do I need to confess my sin? Why do I need to acknowledge my sin? Why do I need to repent of my sin? Because you, God wants you to recognize, God wants you to admit that what you did was a sin and that it's a sin against him. And even though Jesus has already paid for it, you ask him to forgive you. But I promise you, once you're saved, it's never charged to you. Blessed is the man that the Lord does not charge sin to his account. If he did, you'd be lost every time you sinned. Now, now here's the thing. You say, "Woo! you mean to tell me that now that I'm saved, when I sin... That God doesn't charge my sin to me. He charges it to his son. Then praise God, sin's no big deal. If you feel that way, if you feel that way, would you please let me tell you something? You need to get saved. Because I want to tell you, when God has done that much for you, how could you ever take sin lightly? How could you ever have a flippant attitude towards sin? When the Son of God took your sin and paid your price and now through his blood you're forgiven and hallelujah you'll never have sin charged to you again but for you to say well it doesn't matter then if I sin because Jesus has taken care of it that is straight out of hell and you're going there if you believe that it's amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. I've talked to you about the glory of forgiveness. Not only does God charge your sin to Jesus' account, He made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He charges Jesus' righteousness to your account. I'm standing here this morning. My sins are forgiven, and every one of them has been charged to Jesus. But praise God, God not only took my sin and charged them to Jesus, he took Jesus' righteousness and charged it to me. And so now I'm standing up here, not in my righteousness, but in the righteousness of Christ. And if you're saved, you're, 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 you're robed in the righteousness of Jesus. And by the way, the only righteousness that will ever be in heaven is the righteousness of Jesus. Oh, no, I've been pretty good. I'll tell you one thing. Don't you go before God and offer up your good works. You'd get kicked out of heaven so quick you wouldn't even know it. The only righteousness in heaven will be the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And it's yours when Christ comes to live in you. He made him to sin, be sin for us. Blessed is the man that the Lord doesn't charge sin to his account. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Blessed is the man that God has given, the woman that God has given the righteousness of of Jesus Christ. Now, I've talked about the need of forgiveness. 
I've talked about the promise of forgiveness. I've talked about the glory of forgiveness. But now I want to talk to you about the gift. Are you listening? You see, it is the gift of forgiveness. You don't earn it. You do not earn it. You do not merit it. Forgiveness is a gift from Almighty God. It's a gift from God. But while it is free, are you listening? It is the most costly thing in all the world. Forgiveness by God through His Son Jesus is free. But it is the most costly thing that has ever occurred in this earth. Do you realize how much it costs God for you to be saved? Do you know what it costs God for you to be forgiven? I'll tell you what it cost Him. His Son had to be made sin for us. Do you know what it cost for you to be forgiven? He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon Him. And by His stripes I am healed. Oh, wounded for you and for me. Bruised for you. Do you understand what it cost for you to be forgiven? Jesus was made sin, and he bore our sin in his body on the cross. Do you understand the cost? I want you to listen to this. Hebrews 9, verse 22. See, all I'm doing is giving you the Bible. Somebody says, well, I'm going to find forgiveness in the church. Baloney. That is a lie. No church can forgive your sin. Well, I'll do my good works will outweigh my bad works. And I'll forget it. Only God can forgive sin. And it's a gift from God that cost the greatest price that was ever paid for us to be forgiven. Hebrews 9, 22. Listen. And according to the law... Almost everything are purified by blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Now, what part of that do we not understand? Without the shedding of his blood, there is no remission of sin. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood wash all their guilty stains. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. The gift of forgiveness, the costliest thing in the world. It was the shed blood of Jesus. But I want you to listen to this. Listen. Hebrews 9, verse 12. Not with the blood of goats and calves. Now get this. This is what it cost God to forgive you. How could you ever take forgiveness lightly? How could you ever receive the gift forgiveness of God and live for yourself? How can you do that? You can't when you understand how great a cost it was for us to be forgiven. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place, heaven itself, having obtained eternal redemption for us. If the blood of goats and calves and the sprinkling of a heifer sanctifies the purifying of the flesh, listen to this, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, 
purge your conscience from dead works to love to serve the living God. It was not with the blood of goats and calves. It was his own blood shed on the cross that he went into heaven itself, sprinkled the mercy seat with his blood. And now it is through the blood of Christ that our sins are washed away, never charged to our account, and we are forgiven. It's a gift, but it was costly. Oh, the cost. Oh, the cost for God to forgive you. And oh, the cost for God to forgive me. I got to thinking about the cost, and I went over to the cross. They plucked his beard out, put a crown of thorn on his head, spit in his face, spit in his face. Cried, crucify him. Took him out and nailed him to the cross. And there, it was dark as midnight. It was the middle of the day, but darkness covered the land. Picture of the sin and wickedness of the world that was placed on Jesus. I was thinking about the cost. I was thinking about what it cost for us to be forgiven. And then I heard these words ring down through the ages. I heard them. And it's this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God, Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? You know why? The awful heap of our sins blotted Jesus out from the presence of his Father. And he was separated from God because of our sin. We sang it. He was forsaken, but I am forgiven. I am accepted. He was condemned. Don't ever get over the cost, y'all. Forgiveness is free, but it's the costliest thing in the world. Now, I want to talk to you about how you receive the forgiveness of God. How do you receive it? And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be as plain as I know how. Because a lot of people want what God gives, but they don't want who God is. Do you hear what I said? You could walk up to any pagan, most anywhere, say, would you like to be forgiven? Sure would. Well, that means you're going to have to quit living that way. You're going to have to absolutely turn your life over to God and turn from your sin. Well, you forget that now. I want to be forgiven, but I want to live my own life. Forget it. How do you receive forgiveness? How does the forgiveness of God become a reality to you? Acts chapter 20, verse 21, Paul said, I have testified to the Jews and to the Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. In one verse, he said, it's repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, repentance toward God. You acknowledge, you confess, You agree with God that you are a sinner. God, I am. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You acknowledge the fact that that sin has separated you from God. And if you die in your sins, you will spend a Christless eternity in a place called hell. So, how do you receive forgiveness? Repentance toward God. I have sinned against you, Almighty God. I have broken your law. I am sinner by nature and by choice. I confess my sin. I agree with you that I have sinned. It's called repentance. And God, I want to change. 
Now, whoever covers his sin, are you ready for this now? Acts, Hebrews, uh, Proverbs 28. Whoever covers his sin will not prosper. I'm going to cover my sin. You can't cover it. Whoever covers his sin will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes his sin will have mercy. Whoever confesses and forsakes his sin will have mercy. Let me tell you what repentance is. Billy Graham said it years ago. It's the best illustration. It's the word it, repent. It's metanoia. means to change your mind. To change your mind. All right, here I am. I am living for myself. I am living for myself. I am living in sin. I am going my own way. I am living in sin. I am going my own way. I'm a rebel against God, whether I know it or not. I'm, I'm going down this way. And God confronts me with my sin. He convicts me of my sin. And I realize what a sinner I am. And I realize that sin separates me from God. And I I realize the only hope for my forgiveness and salvation is in Jesus Christ. So I repent. I turn around. And I say, God, I acknowledge my sin. I confess it. I, by the grace of God, I change my mind. I don't want to sin anymore. I don't want to live that way anymore. That's not where I want to live. I repent of my sin. And you turn around and you change your direction. And you're moving in a direction, in an opposite direction. And you're experiencing the forgiveness of God and the cleansing of God. Now let me tell you something. You can confess your sins until you're out of breath. But until you repent. God, I want to change. I choose to change. I cannot change myself. I do not want to live in my sin anymore. I want to live for you. You do not have what God forgives forgiveness until you have who God is and Jesus Christ is Lord. So there's repentance toward God. That's the first step in receiving forgiveness. And then there's faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, you're the only one who died for me. Your precious blood is the only thing that can wash my sins away. So I trust you, Jesus. I trust you as my Lord. I trust you as my Savior. And by your grace, I will follow you the rest of my life. Lord Jesus, I know I can't do it in my own power, but I repent. I don't want to live wickedly anymore. I believe you, Jesus, did everything that was necessary for me to be forgiven now and forever. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And by your grace and power, I will follow you the rest of my life. It's called repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to close with this. The only sin that you've repented of is the one you're no longer practicing. Oh, I, I, I've confessed to God my, my, my problem with pornography. I've confessed to God that, 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 I'm, that, I'm, that I'm, not, I'm not honest and I'm, I'm, I'm living a lie a lot. And Oh, I, I've confessed to God. But you see, you, you, you haven't never, you've never left it behind. You've, now, so the only, the only sin you have repented of is the sin that you're no longer practicing. Well, I've asked God to forgive me. Well, are you still doing it? Yes. You haven't repented what makes you think God's forgiven you? The only sin you've repented of is the sin you no longer practice. I didn't say you never sinned, but I said you didn't practice it. Oh, I, I, I had an emotional experience when I was 10 years old, but I've been living in sin for the last 40 years. Guess what? You ain't never repented. You have never repented. Repentance toward God. Change me, Lord. Turn me around. 
I will not live the way I've been living. By the grace of God, I can't change myself. But Jesus, you can not only forgive me, but you can transform me. And so you repent toward God and you trust Jesus and Jesus only for forgiveness of your sins. You receive forgiveness by repentance of your sin, repentance toward God, and by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you no longer are going this way. By God, God has changed you. You're a new creation in Christ and you're going this way. And the sin you used to practice, you no longer practice. The sin you used to love, you no longer love. Why? Because you've been changed. You've been forgiven. God has changed you. You're not the person you used to be. Paul was on the road to Damascus to kill the Christians. He met Jesus. God turned him around. And instead of putting the Christians in jail, he started preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. What happened? He repented toward God. He had faith in Christ. God changed his life. And he went in another direction. You want to know if you've repented of your sin or not? Are you still practicing it? Are you still practicing it? You hadn't repented. You hadn't repented. Repentance means to be changed. Not perfect, but changed. Oh, every now and then we'll slip up, but it's one thing to slip up, and it's one thing to stay slippery. You understand? The greatest thing in the world is the glorious forgiveness of God. Oh, praise God. That through the precious blood of Jesus, there's forgiveness of sin, and there's a new life in Christ. And that's the only way.